Hello and welcome to Running Scared with Coach Christine. I'm Coach Christine, a level two RRCA and Run Walk Run certified coach. And my friends, if you enjoy a bit of true crime, maybe you're a little bit of a true crime aficionado like myself, and you enjoy running, or at least you're willing to get laced up and get out there, then welcome friend, you have found your corner of the internet. Now let's go ahead and get started right into today's workout with a walking warm up. So let's get this moving. You wanna make sure that you're nice and tall and relaxed. Let's go in three, two, and one, let's rock it. Oh yeah, my friends, we're gonna be here for five minutes. You're staying tall, you're staying relaxed, you're staying light on your feet. If you are rolling through today's workout outdoors, I need you to be mindful of your surroundings. I need you to look around, maybe even take out an AirPod or your earbud so you can hear what's going on around you. Make sure you're wearing a bright, visible clothing. And I know that you definitely let someone know where you're gonna be or what time they should expect you. If not, you need to text them right now. Coach's orders. If you're rolling inside on a treadmill, good for you, my friend. Hopefully you're looking around the gym, you're feeling good, you're feeling fine. And I know that you have that incline at a 1% that's gonna help to minimize those impacts to your joints and keep you rolling nice and healthy throughout today's run. Now friends, before we dive into this, I gotta do what I do, which is all those legal disclaimers, meaning that I need to let you know that today's case, well, it's gonna be a little lighter, a little fluffier, if you will, for a true crime case, but it's still gonna have vivid details of violence, poisoning, and murder. So it can be very disturbing or upsetting. Just kind of have to give you the heads up. Also, super important that we talk about that you make sure to clear this with your physician, your doctor, before you start this or any physical regimen. Okay, we got those out of the way. The legal department, meaning whoever's out there, is happy. Let's talk today about what you can expect for today's workout. First of all, we're gonna keep warming it up. We're letting that inner core temperature come up to a point where it allows our body to feel a little looser. You're lubricating those joints, those muscles, those tendons to let us ease into our workout, right? We're creating a little bit of inner heat. We're also gonna use for today's workout the rate of perceived effort. It's called the RPE scale. That helps us to structure today's workout. We're gonna use that RP scale, which goes from a one to 10. One is easy peasy lemon squeezy. You're out with your bestie. 10 is oobish. There's somebody coming. You need to run. And I mean sprint. So that's the true crime scale of the one to 10, but one is just light and easy, almost barely an effort. 10 is truly all out effort, friends. We're not gonna be hanging out at one or 10 for today's workout. We're gonna be right in the middle. Also add that RPE scale to episode notes if you need to refer to it, but for now, as long as you're rolling tall, you're enjoying yourself, you're staying light on those feet, that we are all good. Now let's talk a little bit about what you can expect for today's case. <laughs> Insert my scariest laugh here. Did that sound kind of villainous? Well, hopefully I'm invoking a little bit of that inner, inner little villain there because we're going to be talking about our own little Miss Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And not the spider, but just as deadly. We're going to cover the case of a woman that attacked her father and stepmother when she was just a teenager. 
Then she went on to kill her husband, her boyfriend, and even her own child before becoming the first woman to be executed by electric chair in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. She was the original Florida woman <laughs> that you guys are used to reading about. So we have about 75 seconds before we wrap up this warm up. Let's talk a little bit about what you can expect for today's workout. Today we're gonna have another opportunity to switch up our pacing with a walking and running workout. We're gonna have those conversation paced efforts for four minutes and then walking recoveries for three minutes. You can play with this, make it your own. By walking the entire thing, you can run this entire thing at a steady state. You can truly make this what you need for today's workout. I'm going to be reminding you of form cues to stay tall and light throughout today's workout. And you do what you need between those stronger pushes and pulling back into those lighter runs or walks. If you have any questions on how to really customize this for what you need, feel free to reach out to me at Christine at runwinefinishlines.com. All right, my friends, this is that part. We build a little bit of the suspense as we get started to roll into our workout in 20 seconds. Remember four minutes at that conversation paced effort. It's about a four on the effort scale. We're gonna go on five. We're gonna go in four, three, two, and one. Let's roll. Four minutes here. Again, that chin is up, eyes are on the prize. You're being mindful of your surroundings if you're outdoors. You're staying light on those feet, regardless if you're inside or out. Let's talk about Miss Judith Bueno Año. Well, Miss Judy, she was born on April 4th, 1943, and she was named Judius Welty. She was born and raised in a very small town, and I'm talking about super small town, in Quinoa, Texas. No, that's not quinoa, don't get hungry. It's quinoa, I think. <laughs> if you're in Quinoa, Texas, holler at me. Am I pronouncing your state correctly? She was one of four, and well, everything was hunky-dory until she was actually four years old, and her mother passed away. She was sent on to live with her grandparents, with her baby brother, Robert, because, well, a single man at that time, raising four children, that was kind of just a harder thing to do. So she's living with her grandparents, with her younger baby brother, Robert, and her dad, well, you know, he starts to decide that it's time for me to move on. I'm gonna start dating. So he meets a wonderful woman and he decides to remarry and he moves in with this wonderful woman and he says, you know, I think I'm ready. I really would like to have my family back together. So he sends for Judy and her brother Robert to come back and live with him and his new wife and children in New Mexico. A couple minutes in, just a couple more minutes to go before we pull it back into that lighter recovery, either a walk or a lighter conversation paced jog or lighter run if you prefer for three minutes. Well, my friends, if you know me at all, you know that I love me some Disney. So you know that if we're involving a stepmother into today's case, well, we learned from Disney. 
Stepmoms, they're like the OG villains, right? No hate for you, stepmoms. I know, I know, you're a great stepmom. I'm not hating on you. I'm just telling you Disney did you wrong, girl. You're gonna have to talk to them. So, Judy and her brother Robert go out to live with dad and their stepmother and their step-siblings. And that's where the fairy tale ends. According to all reports, she was abused. She was made to work hard labor. She was beaten when she didn't do things the right way. Even went as far, both her father and her stepmother, to put out their cigarettes on her. What are you thinking here? Because I'm thinking, man, Cinderella. Stepmama had nothing on this evil stepmother. She sounds horrible. And dad, where were you? Because you're just going to let your kids be abused like that? You're going to take part of it? Mm-mm. Shame, shame on you. So clearly this story has no glass slippers. There's no fairy godmothers that I know of. And well, I don't think there's going to be a lot of happy ever afters in this story either. For about 30 more seconds before we pull it back into that three minute segment, friends. I'm not going to leave you like that. We're going to talk a little bit about what Judy was experiencing fair to say that Judy started to really get angry with the situation. She was building a rage against her father and her stepmother. And let's pull it back in three, two, and one. Three minutes here. Just a lighter effort, friends. Whatever that means for you, if you're pulling back into walk, awesome. If you're keeping it at a lighter level conversation pace, great. If you're deciding that, you know what, coach, I don't need you to tell me what to do. I got my own training plan cool too. I'm not here to judge you, friends. As long as you're enjoying yourself, that's all that matters. So Judy has a rage that's building. She's starting to become just really resentful of the treatment that she's receiving. She turns 14 and she's gotten a little bigger. She's gotten a little stronger, a little more defiant. And after one particularly bad incident, she attacked her father, her stepmother, and her two stepbrothers. She poured hot grease over her stepbrothers and turned her rage onto her father and stepmother. Yikes. We ain't messing with you, Judy. We got you. I mean, we know what you're rolling here on all. Her father was able to finally take her down. He tackled her. He subdued her. He kept her restrained. They called the police and the police finally came out. They were able to get her into handcuffs. They haul her off. She goes before the court. The court's like, "Mm, you can't be doing that. You just can't go pouring hot grease on humans. So she was sentenced to two months in juvenile detention where she served with other young teenage criminals. And before she was officially released, the judge said, hey, you've served two months. You know, you're a teenager. You really hopefully have learned your lesson. I think it's time for you to go home. And she's like, you know what, sir, judge, if you don't mind, I don't want to go back home. Mm-mm, no, I don't like my stepmama. I'm not really fond of my dad. He ain't done me right this far. I think if it's okay with you, sir, I'd like to just go to reform school. And he's like, sure. Who am I to say you can't go to reform school? Clearly, you don't feel like you've learned your lesson. Off you go. He bangs his little gavel is that what it's called (laughs) 
sentence official. She's going off to reform school and in 1959, at the age of 16, she heads off to Albuquerque to serve some additional time. Well, friends, we'll pick up there in about 30 seconds, but I'm going to have you go ahead and check in. We're going to be pushing back up into that harder effort, that four-minute segment, more of a conversation piece, or a stronger power walk. You can do this, friends. Going in. Ten. Yeah. We're going to roll in five, four, three, and one let's roll so Judy goes out there and she's there for a couple years and then she graduates reform school do they have diplomas for reform school what does it actually read on your diploma I don't know I couldn't find that on the internet but now I'm curious so if you know you need to holler at me she returns to her hometown as a nurse's assistant and shortly after she's making her life gives birth to her first son, Michael, in 1961. Michael was born out of wedlock, and it's the early 60s, friends. That was quite the scandal. It was just not looked too kindly upon, especially not in a small town. Thought was that Michael's daddy was an Air Force officer, but this was before Jerry Springer, so we don't know. There was no DNA testing. And there was no way to make the baby daddy stick around and help her raise Michael. So she said, you know what? Fine. I don't need you. I'm going to move on with my life. I'm going to do this all by my lonesome. And she starts dating yet another Air Force gentleman, a Mr. James Goodyear. Hmm. Listen to that name, Goodyear. It'll come up a little later here in this case. Mr. James Goodyear was a sergeant in the Air Force. This time, likely used that three-date rule where she was like, mm-hmm, I'm going to play a little hard to get. And he seemed to stick around a little bit more. He was quite smitten with Miss Judy. So in 1962, he put a ring on it and he started the process to legally adopt Michael. They started their own family. They had that white picket fence, the 2.5 kids. Well, not really. They ended up having three kids. Judy gave birth to their son in 1967, whom they named after Daddy, James. And then they had another child in 1968 named Kimberly. So two boys, a son. So for all intents and purposes, the American dream. Her life seems like it's definitely turned around from those days where she was abused and made to clean the chimney as her own version of Cinderella. So this is where you're thinking, I thought, Coach, you said there was no happy endings. This sounds perfect. Mm -hmm. Let's keep exploring this story, shall we? So this young family, Judy, James, the Chitlins, they all moved to Orlando, Florida. Disney, my friends, so they weren't coming to Disney World. They decided they were gonna make their life in Orlando. And Judy was like, you know what, James? Now that we're here in Orlando, we've got three kids, they're getting a little older. I think I wanna make my own money. I'm really good with kids. I mean, clearly I have three. So I think I'm just going to open up a small child care business. I'm going to give you some kudos here, Miss Judy. High five and that entrepreneurial spirit. 
she decided to name her small business the Conway Child Care Acres. And she listed her hubby, Mr. James, as the co-owner. But, well, the Air Force had different plans. The Vietnam War was continuing to rage on and James was still active duty. So they said, hey, James, it's time. We called your number. You got to go overseas. You got to serve another tour. He did. He complied. I mean, you know, clearly he has to do what he's got to do. He's serving his country. He stays behind. She's doing what she needs to do, taking care of the kids, taking care of the business, making it happen. Good for you, Judy. And then James comes back home a year after serving his tour. He's like, hey, girl, I missed you. Cue a little Barry White music here, if you will, because you know that's what he was thinking. All right, friends, let's pull it back in three two one here for three minutes back into that recovery you're looking strong rock stars james comes back he reunites with judy and his three young children and just as he got back into his groove mm -hmm, dirty minds i'm not talking about a double entendre there i'm just saying he's getting back to living his regular civilian life well unfortunately he started to not feel very well he was having stomach pains and then he suddenly passed away in 1971, leaving behind Judy, his young wife, and his three young children. Incredibly tragic, a little mysterious, as he had gotten a clean bill of health upon his return from Vietnam. The Air Force doctors checked him. He seemed fine. But, well, you know, unfortunate events happen. And luckily, he had great foresight. He didn't leave Judy behind unprepared. They had planned well for the future. And Judy was able to get a comfortable sum from James's life insurance policy. But luck would have it, it didn't really end there. Quotes my friends, air quotes, that Judy's bad luck, quote unquote, just two months after losing her husband, James, her home, and Orlando was lost in an overnight fire. Now, I'm not going to say as somebody who lives here in Florida that fires don't happen, and they do. Well, kind of weird. All right, we're going to keep moving on, though. Luckily, the home was insured. You got to insure your houses in, in Florida. We got hurricanes. And it was a $90,000 home insurance policy. And I know you're thinking $90,000, that's, that's, you can't do anything with $90,000 nowadays. My Tesla costs more. If you got a Tesla, by the way, can you give me a call? I wanna go for a ride in that thing. <laughs> I wanna play with all of the little buttons they have on the display. Anyway, it is 1971. So $90,000 is about $650,000 in today's world due to inflation. Well, poor Judy, but maybe no longer really poor Judy. She's sad, but she's determined, you know, I've she's thinking I've lived through some pretty horrible things. I can I can get through this. I'm going to make my life better. I'm going to pack up these kids and we're going to move and start anew to a new city here in Florida. So she, I assume, sets, shuts down her business. And she decides to head to a beach town for a little R&R. &R. 
And by R and R, I mean find herself another beau, cause she, you know she ain't getting any younger, so she knows she needs to bring bring that dating world to its next chapter of her life. Let's take it back up into four minutes of that harder effort. We're building in on our endurance, so nice and strong. About a three or four on that conversation piece. Let's go in three, two, one. You've got this, rock stars. This is where I want you to make sure you're keeping your chin up, your eyes are on the prize, you're keeping those shoulders down and back. And hopefully, even if we're listening to crime, you've cracked at least a smile or two as you're rolling through here. So she starts dating. And a year later, after relocating, she finds herself a Mr. Bobby Joe Morris in 1972. She thinks, man, this is great. He is totally dreamy. But you know what's a total drag? Like being a mom. These kids, man, they are totally messing with my vibe. Here I am trying to like live my best life with Mr. Bobby Joe. These kids want me to be like all mom-like. So she's like, hey, you know what, Michael? You're like the worst of these three kids. I know you're my oldest, but you just gotta go. I can't take care of you. So she sends Michael to foster care. So off Michael goes, and from what I can tell on my research, it looked like she may have kept James and Kimberly with her. Bobby Joe says, you know what, Judy? It's hotter than Hades down here in Florida. These mosquitoes are bigger than pterodactyls. I just, I don't like it. I'm not, I'm not meant for this Florida life. I need some mountain air. The mountains are calling. I'm gonna head to Colorado. And she was like, um, well, honey, wherever you go, I'm gonna go. So I'll pack up these kids that I've got with me and I'm just gonna follow you. So they start over, they head to Colorado for those mountain vistas. And what would happen soon after they arrived to Colorado? Well, again, we talked about Judy's luck, right? Air quotes, luck. Unfortunately, Bobby Joe, he starts to get sick. I guess that mountain air just wasn't that good for him after all. So Bobby Joe suffered from some mysterious ailments. He was getting nauseous. He was getting sick. He was having stomach pains. And shortly after arriving to Colorado, he's admitted to the hospital. I mean, you guys know where I'm coming with this, right? Well, he gets better. So the doctors release him. They can't really figure out what's wrong. And about a week later, he collapsed at home again at the dining room table. And yet again, Judy calls the police or she calls the ambulance, calls the emergency services, and they come and they get him and he's admitted to the hospital. But unfortunately, it was just too little too late and he died two days later. Well... Judy, I mean, Judy knows better by now, right? She's thinking, I haven't had great luck. I'm going to plan for my future. So she decided she had wanted to protect herself from these tragedies that seemed to continually happen to her. So luckily, she was able to collect some money from the insurance policies, plural, that she had taken out on him. Now, you heard me right policies that she had taken out on him. Man, Judy, you're such a good planner. Who would have ever thunk? Collected all three of his policies and, well, she decided I gotta move on with life. 
means we're about 30 seconds away again before you're gonna have that pace change. Again, make this your own. If you are feeling absolutely awesome at this stronger push, keep on moving. If you wanna pull it back a little bit, or if you're thinking, I'm feeling a little feisty here, coach, go ahead and push it up into a little bit of a harder effort for three minutes. We're gonna go in five, four, three, two, and one great work three minutes here i'll cue you in when we're all going to meet back into that four minute segment all right miss judy let's find out what's next well now as a lady with such unfortunate circumstances in the love department she decides hmm, maybe i'm just not meant to date I mean, all of these guys that I keep dating just keep getting sick and passing on. I should, you know what, Judy? I'm going to focus on my children. That's what I need to do. They need me in their life. And, you know, I'm feeling like there's just some weight holding me down here. I don't know that my life is going the way I want it to. I'm just going to legally change my name. New start, new me. So she legally changes her name to Bueno Año. So Judy, Miss Judy, becomes Judith Bueno Año. Well, Bueno Año translates to good year in Spanish. Mm -hmm. A little homage to Mr. James Goodyear there. We see you, Judy. See how you roll in. I'm also thinking she's decided, like, you know what? Positive affirmations, they work. I'm going to roll in a good new year. Little Lizzo good as hell going on there. So she moves into her new home, and she decides, hey, Michael, I'm really ready for you to rejoin your family. Let's go ahead and bring you back. He rejoins her and James, his younger brother, and Kimberly, the youngest out of the three. But, well, you don't exactly send away off to foster care and think that when they return, it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows, do you? I mean, uh-uh. This kid's got some questions. He's like, what happened? Why did I get carted off and nobody else did? So, well, her and Michael just didn't see eye to eye upon the transition back to the household. I don't understand that. He had... You know, he had a little bit of anger he had built up himself. And maybe she even related a little bit to that from her childhood. And while he loved his mother, it just kind of kept, they just kept kind of butting heads. So in 1979, he says, you know what, mom, I love you. I respect you. I know you're doing your best. This isn't working. I'm just going to join the army. I'm going to kind of follow in the steps that I saw James do. And I think that serving my country is what's best for me right now. Well, hmm. How should I say this? Let's just say it's to likely none of your surprise that Michael became ill. I mean, come on, clearly something's going on there. All right, rock stars, let's go into that four minute segment. We're going in three, two, and one you've got this it's a conversation pace you should be able to say out loud oh no you didn't judy bueno año no you didn't go after your own son but friends i hate to tell you this clearly she did so michael's ill he goes to the army base hospital he's given the full workup 
several rounds of tests and the army doctor's like, gosh, this is really weird, dude. We're finding toxic levels of arsenic in your system. Like, what are you doing? Are you like glazing your cinnamon rolls in the morning with a little bit of rat poison? This just doesn't make sense. He decided whatever happened to create this situation where he would have arsenic in his system, they're gonna do their best. They are going to fulfill their oath and make sure to give every heroic effort to save Michael. And they did, they were able to save his life. But unfortunately at this point, his body had been ravaged by the poison. So his muscles had atrophied and he became a paraplegic. He was rendered incapable of movement without the assistance of braces and special medical equipment. And while these braces, they were pretty heavy. They weighed 60 pounds. He had to go back to physical therapy and relearn how to walk with these braces. You know, he lost a lot of mobility even in his hands. Michael, he's doing the best he can. Unfortunately, though, the can't complete his military service. I think we all kind of saw that, right? Like that's just not possible for him to go out and serve his military duty at this point. So he goes home to stay with his dear mother, Judy. And of course she welcomes him with open arms. A few months after he returned home, Judy says, you know what? We need kids. We need some fresh air. The air here at home has been a little stale. We've been a little bit down, but Michael, James, Let's go ahead and pack up. Let's go canoeing today. It's a bright, beautiful day outdoors. A little sunshine and some fresh air will do us good. So again, it was a beautiful May day. They pack up the car. They head to a gorgeous river or stream. We don't really have rivers or stream here in Florida, so I don't really know what to call it. We have springs. Is that what you would call it? <laughs> Friends, I'm sorry have to deal with me all I know about is like alligator invested alligator infested lakes or the springs that I talked about that's it but I don't think that they had either because they were still in Colorado at this point so Michael James and Judy decide they're all gonna go canoeing fortunately I mean you guys now know where this goes right I think I've said unfortunately at least 48 times in today's class new just so happened to overturn while they were out on the water and old Michael wearing 60 pounds of medical gear and braces he was weighed down and unable to swim to safety fortunately when the local officials showed up to the scene they saw that Judy was distraught losing her oldest son and James having lost his brother was also completely shaken so they said, I'm so sorry for your loss, ma'am. I'm gonna go ahead and rule this an accident. It's tragic, and I know you've already had so much tragedy in your life, but we're so sorry to let you know that we just can't save him. So they recover his body, and well, Judy does what du Judy does best. She goes to the army and she says, Hey, Michael died. But you guys have an insurance policy on him, so time to pay up. I'm his benefactor. Let's go ahead and pull it back in three, two, and one. Well, the army is like, mm, 
Yeah, I don't know about this, Miss Judy. This seems a little hella suspicious, because Michael already told us that you have experienced some incredible losses in your life. However, they looked at all the paperwork. She had the death certificate ruling Michael's death and accident. And they said, well, we have no choice. Clearly, it's weird. We don't exactly really understand how that went down. Like, why would you take a kid who had just learned how to deal with all of these medical issues canoeing, but it happened. Can't fix stupid. So they pay out the $20,000 policy, which in about today's world would be about $70,000. So, you know, we're learning a lot about Judy, right? She said, I ain't gonna let this hold me down. I lost these men in my life, but I've got an entrepreneur in me. I am ready to boss, babe. And you know what the world needs? The world needs for me to help people feel beautiful. So I'm going to open up my own beauty parlor, my own salon. And she decides, you know, while I'm at it, it's time for me to have a little bit of extra happiness in my life. I mean, I think I should put myself out there. Who wouldn't want me? I look good. I watch my figure. I just got my hair did at my own salon, plugging Judy's hair salon here. I own my business, the shoes on my feet. I got them. She's singing Beyonce's Independent Woman before Beyonce was even born. So she starts dating again in 1981. She's looking for someone though who can bring as much to the table as she can. Cause you know, she's looking for her equal. She wants to build an empire. Lucky for Miss Judy, she finds herself just the right fella. He's also an entrepreneur, Mr. John Gentry. He's a nice guy with a successful business from Florida. Mm-hmm. Good for you, girl. In October of 1982, they get engaged. And together they were living that Jay-Z Beyonce life, building their empire living out lavishly, spending money, going on vacations, sleeping in, you know, that Instagram power couple that you've been following and you've been side eyeing a little bit. That was Judy and John. All right, my friends, we're going to go back into our four minute segment in 15 seconds. Let's check in with our form again, making sure those shoulders are down and back or staying light on those feet. You know what's going to happen here, right, my friends? In five, four, three, two, one, let's kick some asphalt. Looking good, Rockstar. Well, Judy says, John, oh, darling, John, I just can't bear any more tragedy in my life. Cue your best Scarlett O'Hara impression here. Hands on your forehead. Dearest John, I need you to be the healthiest you that you could ever be. So how about some green smoothies that I saw in this woman's magazine and some special vitamins. I need you to have a little bit more vim and vigor. And just in case though, like, you know, let's say these green smoothies don't work. These special vitamins don't keep you hella healthy. I need to be okay financially. How about we go get life insurance policies, John? Just saying. That's the smart thing to do. And you should want it too. Because in case you were to lose me. And John's like, you know what, babe? You're smart. That's why I like you. Let's go do it. 
Let's take care of our, handle our business like that. So just a couple months after those life insurance policies are signed and after he has started his new regimen of green smoothies and special vitamins for the record i'm being slightly sarcastic there was no green smoothies that i saw but there were some special vitamins john says well you know what i'm not feeling great he gets sick i know you're shocked aren't you <laughs> yes we are all shocked so john darling goes to the hospital being at the hospital, he doesn't have access to his special vitamins, and somehow he just gets better. But John, being madly in love with Miss Judy, he doesn't think anything of it. He doesn't connect those dots. He's just like, I'm better, and I love this woman. I can't wait to get back out there and us to renew our life together. Right, my friends we are going to move it on up here in just about 45 seconds again we're going to check in with our form looking strong feeling good john does get released from the hospital after his full recovery in december of 1982. lost track of these dates friends and I did a lot of research and I still lost track. There just seems to be like year after year, some kind of new craziness. But December of 1982, Judy and John close out that year. They decide 1983, that's gonna be our year. Let's take it up in five, four, three, two, and one. Let's roll. And shortly after 1983, Judy makes a special dinner and she says, John, darling John, I have some special news to share with you. You're going to be a daddy. And he is overjoyed. He says, oh, Judy, let's celebrate. So he grabs his keys. He goes out to the car. He's going to head to the local store to pick up the most expensive bottle of champagne because of course, nothing says I can't wait for you to have my baby like popping those crystal bottles. So he gets in the car and he turns the ignition. Car explodes. He's rushed to the hospital and by some fortuitous turn of events, John survives. Hey John, for the record, I think you just used about seven of those nine lives. Just, you know, be careful from now on. Wear a seatbelt, look twice before crossing the road. Just saying. So shut the front door. There is no way that this could happen again, right? That some horrible tragedy would happen to Judy. This can't just be some coinkydink. Well, the cops are finally like, I don't know, WTF ma'am, what's going on here? You can't possibly have all of these issues happening, can you? So they start to investigate a little bit and they find out that, well, this Judy, Despite what she told John on that very special evening, he can't get pregnant. He's had a hysterectomy many moons ago. They tell John that he's shocked. He's disgusted. He's so upset. He's been lied to. But the police are like, mm, John, you know, hold your horses because we still got some more information we need to let you know. Um, those 
special vitamins you've been getting? Well, they got a little bit of arsenic in them. Just saying. So they're plenty concerned. They turn over this information to the Florida Attorney General, who isn't quite ready just yet to press charges. But the Attorney General's like, mm hmm, let's go ahead and start researching a little bit more. So they get all of the proper documentation and they search Judy's home. Well, what would they find there, my friends? Nothing big, just all of the ingredients you would need to make John's car an official bomb. They officially charged her with attempted murder. They said, hey, book her Dano. They take her away in cuffs and she goes away to jail to await her trial. But Miss Judy, well, you know, she had been racking up some money. She had been saving for a rainy day, so she was able to post bail. She's like, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. While Judy was getting back to her everyday life, the Attorney General was hard at work solidifying their case against her. And in January 11th, 1984, she's indicted for first degree murder of her child, Michael. So happy to hear that. They also charged her with insurance fraud. They're like, what else can we get on this woman? She be cray. The authorities exhumed the bodies of her ex-manzies and they found enough evidence of foul play to try her for the murder of her first husband, her boyfriend, and her son. 15 more seconds, friends. And then we're going to pull it back into our official cool down. We in five, four, three, two, and one. Great work. We're going to wrap up this case here because you guys are kind of already falling along. You know what's going on, right? So Judy Bueno Año was convicted and sentenced to life without parole. And while she's serving her time, the investigators weren't done. They're like, you know, I think, mm, you know, mm, this is kind of weird. Let's look a little bit more into this Judy chick. So more evidence came forward of yet another man, Harold Dossett, that she had killed and collected insurance money on. And now this is where I have to interject here. Judy, Judy, what are you putting in those milkshakes to bring all those boys to the yard? I got some single ladies that I know have it together and they're not bringing in or pulling in these many men. Oh wait, they're not putting arsenic in the milkshakes. That must be the missing ingredient. Mm -hmm. Well, she was resentenced with this additional evidence and she became known as the Black Widow. Her motive was believed to be none other. And one of the seven deadly sins, she was motivated by greed. She collected a total of $240,000 amongst all of these insurance policies, which would equal to today about $1.5 million. Lady said, you know what? Mm -mm. I'm not admitting to any of these. You guys got the wrong person. You're making this up. But in 1998, at the age of 54, 
Judy Bueno Año became the first woman executed in Florida since 1848 and the third woman executed in the United States since the reinstatement of the death penalty and the first woman in Florida to ever get the electric chair. She beat you, Eileen. Just saying. She beat you. Anyway, my friends, Miss Judy, for her last meal, she requested broccoli, asparagus, strawberries, and hot tea. And when asked if she had any last words, Miss Judy Bueno Año said, and I quote, no, sir. Friends, as you're walking it out and you're cooling it down, let's go over our lessons learned. Lesson number one, boys, um, seriously, just don't be so stupid. What the hell? <laughs> Sorry, friends. But if she's asking for a life insurance policy about three months after y'all meet, it's time to like invoke your Ariana Grande and be like, thank you, next. And lesson number two, that even in death row, even before they pull the lever, it's good to be polite and say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. (laughs) All right, my friends, I want to thank you so much for listening. You have done a great job on this workout. I hope that this is a little lighter. I know this is not... It's still very sad. It's still incredibly tragic. She was beloved by these men. They trusted in her. It is incredibly, just blows my mind that someone would have this much malice within them. But I do hope that for the very time that we were together, that at least you had a little bit of a smile on your face, you enjoyed your workout, and that now you pat yourself on the back for getting in this dedicated time to make yourself a priority. Friends, I'm going to ask you to continue to rehydrate, refuel. You're going to want to do a little bit of stretching. And again, if you have any questions about your training or if you have a case that you'd like me to feature, please reach out at Christine at runwinefinishlines.com where I can promise you that neither my run wine or my finish lines have any kind of arsenic in them. Thank you so much for joining. And until next time. I appreciate you for running scared with Coach Christine.